welcome to the Winning in Real Estate podcast with your host and CEO of Align Ventures, Arnold Olszewski. Join us as we speak with real estate pros about their experiences and learn the fundamentals of passive real estate investing. Together, we will unlock the secrets of achieving financial freedom by discussing proven strategies and building passive income through investing in real estate. Here's your host, Arnold Olszewski. Welcome to the Winning in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Arnold Olshansky, and today's guest, Chris Larson, is the founder and principal of Next Level Income. Chris has been investing and managing real estate for over 20 years. While still a college student, he bought his first rental property at the age of 21. From there, Chris expanded into development, private lending, and ultimately syndicating commercial properties. He began syndicating deals back in 2016 and has been involved in over $1 billion of real estate acquisitions. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you today? I'm great, Arnold. Thanks for having me here. Chris, when we were doing some research, we noticed you have over 18 years of experience in the medical device industry. How and why did you decide to transition into real estate? Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a great question because a lot of the people that ask it assume, hey, you were, you know, you moved into real estate. And really, when I bought that first property, I was 21 years old, I wanted to be an investor. But everybody knows that to be an investor, you either need your own capital or you need somebody else's capital. You know, you got to find a way to to grow that capital. So after I, I bought my first couple properties, I said, okay, I need I need more money to go do this. And I started looking into different options for careers because really for me, the investing side of things, I looked at like going and selling real estate. I didn't really have a great understanding of, you know, the whole operational side of things at the time. And some of the advice I got was, hey, go learn the management side. I was like, well, I don't know if I really want to do the management side. I want to be, you know, I want to be more of an investor. I want to go out and own and, and buy these properties and you know, hire somebody to do the operations. So I said, okay, if I can find a high paying career or business that I can have, I can take that excess capital and I can start to put it into real estate investment. So I did a lot of research. I have a biomechanical engineering degree. And through an introduction, I met somebody that was in the medical device space. And I love the technology as we were talking about before the show, Arnold. It's pretty amazing, not only the technology, but also the people you get to work with. I got to work with really smart engineers. I also got to work for most of my career with with neurosurgeons and orthopedic spine surgeons. So you know, some of the smartest people out there, smartest doctors out there, I mean, literal geniuses, right? So I always felt like I was the dumbest guy in the room in a lot of in a lot of cases. So it was a it was a great career. The downside is that it's very demanding. So I loved it. I loved the teams that I got to work with. I got to, the love the doctors I got to work with. I love the patients I got to serve. I was on call a lot. I was on call for 12 years. And, you know, missing my children's birthdays and practices and, you know, Mother's Day and all those things, it, it wore me out. And I said, hey, you know, it, by the time I'm my 30s, 40 years old, I want to have the ability to walk away from this if I want to. And the real estate investments were what allowed us to do that. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, if you're always trading your time for money, eventually it's going to become an uneven trade-off because there's only so much time we have. And at some point we need to start winning that back. And, you know, real estate does really allow for a lot of people to do that. You know, one of the quotes I also came across of yours that really stuck with me, you mentioning multifamily real estate. 
is the holy grail of real estate investing. And I just want to get a little more perspective. Why are you so attracted to this particular asset class? And what do you love about it? It's right on my book. And by the way, if you're listening today and you want to get a free copy, if you go to nextlevelincome.com and click on the book link and put your address in, I'll even send you a copy here. So yeah, it's it's how to make, keep and grow your money using the holy grail of real estate to achieve financial independence. And I kind of stole this, this concept or this quote from Ray Dalio. And Ray Dalio talks about the concept of increasing returns and decreasing risks. And he said, if you can increase returns and decrease risk, that is the holy grail of investing. So when I set out as really first as an investor over 10 years ago now in the multifamily space, and I learned about the demographic trends and I looked at the performance and I looked at the the risk or really the variability within multifamily real estate, what I saw was it had all the traits of an investment that could help improve the performance of your portfolio, your returns, but also it could decrease the risk. And I said, wow, I feel like I found the holy grail of real estate, of investing. There's a lot that's changed over the last decade, but there's a lot that hasn't. A lot of the fundamentals, the macroeconomic trends, I just did a podcast yesterday talking about you know how the millennials are still renting baby boomers are renting we're still undersupplied by over 4 million units in this in the United States with respect to you know what we need to build in the next decade to catch up with this so a lot of those same trends i wrote and talked about in my book still persist today and still make in my opinion multifamily real estate a really solid choice when it comes to real estate investing yeah, that supply and demand deficit of 4 million homes is such a big number to catch up on. And especially now with, you know, inflation being high and some builders pausing some of the construction in the pipeline, it seems like there's only going to be less properties coming online, which down the line could further impact that deficit. I think you made a great point, Arnold. A lot of people are worried about the new units that are coming online this year. Like we have a bunch of completions that are occurring this year, but what's happened is we're, we're set to go back down below the average that we need over the next several years. So, you know, a lot of people are nervous about this year, but personally, like if I'm making an investment today or buying a property today, I'm not that concerned about what it's going to do over the next year. I'm concerned about what it's going to do over three, five or 10 years. And, you know, I look for those, those, you know, kind of rising tides or those tidal movements within the economy, within demographic trends. Absolutely. And, you know, recently there's been some turmoil in the multifamily industry. Would you be able to share with our listeners your perspective of what's been going on in the market and whether to view this as an opportunity or as a warning sign? Yeah. And I think, yes, multifamily, but commercial real estate as a whole has you know, we've seen REITs that have, you know, had to face liquidation challenges where investors are, are sourcing redemptions. We've seen transaction volume really retrace and go to levels that, you know, we haven't seen in, you know, a decade or sometimes more than that. And what that's being driven by is we've had rates that have increased faster than we've ever seen historically. You know, so you have interest rates that have gone up really quickly. Cap rates have stayed fairly low. So you have a lot of sellers that say, hey, I don't want to sell. And I think part of the reason is that you have owners that say, hey, I know these are good long-term trends. I don't really want to sell, but we have a train coming down the tracks and we have something sitting in the middle of the tracks. And what that is, is the end of some of these floating rate loans that are out there, some of these bridge loans that are out there. So I think as these loans 
come due and owners aren't able to refinance at the rates that they need. They either may choose to sell or be forced to sell. And I think that's going to be an opportunity for investors out there, for operators out there that are better positioned to handle that. You know, and I'm always hearing this as a question from from our listeners and and other investors that I know seems like a common theme. Is it the right time? Is it time to go in now? Should we wait? And, you know, I have my own take on that, but I'd love to get yours. Yeah. So I look at real estate and look at the long-term trends within real estate and real estate tends to go in cycles. And I've talked about this. I think I talked about it on my hundredth episode, actually, of my podcast, which you can go back and you can be like, Hey, maybe either Chris is crazy or maybe he was a little right or a little wrong. But if you look at these trends, they happen over about 18, 18 and a half years in real estate. So actually between say 18 and 19 years. And the last time we kind of hit the bottom of this trend was 2012. And it was like about four years before that, where we started to really dive down in 2008. And if you fast forward, that's going to take you to about 2026. So I think we're seeing a lot of these same trends. I think it's different, right? History rhymes, but it doesn't, it doesn't repeat type saying. So if you're saying, all right, is it a good time now to invest? You can go back to what I just said a few minutes ago and say, look at all these long-term trends. Like multifamily can be a safe place for your money. Self-storage typically performs really well during recessionary times. Are you going to get the same returns that you got a few years ago when rents increased 20 plus percent, you know, after COVID or sometimes over 20% for, for a couple of years in a row? Probably not. Those were outsized returns. In my book, I talk about 6% cash on cash. I talk about 12% returns. When I wrote the book, I said, hey, these are these would be, you know, solid returns. A lot of investors have been kind of spoiled. They've been you know, you've gotten phenomenal returns and they say, ah, these returns aren't that great, but they beat the stock market. They beat a lot of other areas of real estate. So if you see a deal in front of you, if it has fixed rate debt, if it has in place rents or rents that are able to increase marginally, you know, I don't think you should look at a deal and say, hey, I think rents are going to go up 20% necessarily. Then if it's a good deal and it's conservatively underwritten and you want a place to put your money for the next five or 10 years, then maybe that's a good option to consider that. If you need that money in the next two, three, five years, you probably want something that's more liquid, right? So I still think that commercial real estate is a great place for long-term money. I also think that there are some other areas in real estate that are more operational, that have higher cash flows, you know, that have some more levers that can be pulled that maybe are going to take a little bit more operational excellence and you know attention, but also have some really, really strong upside as well. What would some of these other niches and areas look like? Yeah. So I would define like operational real estate as real estate that has a business like kind of bolted onto it or a, a strong business component. This would be things like senior housing or assisted living, short-term rentals. So we've, we have a couple of short-term rentals here in Asheville, North Carolina. And you have to think about a short-term rental or an Airbnb as a business because you're operating. It's like a little mini hotel, right? Or, or a, or a bed and breakfast. Also things like car washes. We've been in the car wash space for a few years now. I looked at my first car wash almost 10 years ago. And actually it was about eight years ago and decided to pass on it because we were building our multifamily portfolio at the time. But I own a car wash here locally in Asheville. And we started syndicating these operations as well in the express tunnel format. We have over two dozen car washes now. And that is an area that has a business that's high cash flow. I would call it a recession resilient 
or recession resistant industry because people, if you own a car, whether it's older, whether it's newer, you want to maintain it, you want to keep it clean. People in general don't wash their cars themselves anymore. They go and they find someone else to do it. If you can provide a good value, a good experience, good quality that's out there, you can do very well with these businesses and those businesses are scalable. So if you can get businesses that are kicking off really strong margins, really strong cash flow, and have the ability to scale. And you know, one of the things we do, Arnold, is we pool all these car washes together. So if you're a member at one wash, you get access to all the all the other washes. So it's great for our members, but also private equity likes to buy operations where you have 50, 100, 200 washes, and you can increase your exit multiple versus your entry multiple by 50 to 100%. So that's something that's a little bit different than if you're looking at the multifamily space. Like It's hard to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to change my cap rate by 50 or 100%. You know, by actually executing on a strategy, whereas in this car wash space, you actually have a strategy where you can do that. And that that can be very lucrative, obviously, on the back end. That seems like a very interesting offer where it it seems like it it serves a couple of purposes. One, it allows people to invest in one car wash, but then have diversity because it seems like it's spread out into the other car washes as well. So just in case something happens with one, it seems like their investment would be diversified. And it seems like you could potentially have a bigger exit down the line because you're building this economy of scale. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and the, what we do for our investors, if our investors are looking to invest in a car wash, they're typically investing in three, four, five, six, seven car washes at a time. So a portfolio, but that portfolio is also part of the larger brand that we have, which is called Hurricane Express Wash. And they get, they get the benefit of being part of that larger brand, which today, most of those brands are owned by private equity groups, large operators. So you can go buy like stock in Mr. Mr. Wash, Mr. Car Wash. And that's a way to get exposure. But we feel like we have a pretty unique offering where investors can have access, they can get cash flow, but they can also get the upside, very much like if they invested in an apartment complex or self-storage facility as well. What would you say are some of the key differences between investing in multifamily versus car washes? What does one asset class offer that the other doesn't and, and vice versa? Yeah. So one of the great things about car washes, it's going to give you a lot of the same benefits as real estate. You have the cash flow, you have the appreciation potential, you actually have really good depreciation because you're talking about machinery and you're talking about real estate that is that is classified by the IRS in most cases that qualifies for bonus depreciation. So you get a lot of really great tax benefits from that. But I would say, you know, you have all these benefits that that kind of mirror what you have in you know more traditional types of real estate but you also have to be careful about the business side of things so you have to be sure that you understand who you're investing with who the operator is and you have to make sure that that operator knows the business so there's a couple things you could do one you could take control of the operations yourself if you're listening you could go out like i did and buy a small wash like an automatic in-bay where you just pull in. I have two automatic in-bay washes or two washes at my at my location where you can pull in and have your car washed. And you could go out and buy one of those for you know, between a million and $2 million. So it's accessible to a single investor or a very small group of investors. Whereas what we do on the syndication side is we're buying express tunnel car washes, which on average cost about say $7 million. So the real estate's more expensive, the tunnel's more expensive, 
You also have employees, they have operations that is more intensive. And that's a whole different business model if you think about it. So I say, you know, if you're interested in the space, you could look at opportunities yourself to go buy them, or you could look to invest or or partner with an operator that already has an operation that then can go and buy these facilities to benefit from. It seems like one route is much more passive than than the other route of of kind of going and doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like there could be quite a bit of heavy lifting in the other model. In terms of if somebody was to look for uh, car wash opportunities and syndicating them, how would they start? Where would they look? Yeah. So again, you could go, you can go to our website, nextlevelincome.com. If you click on the invest link and, and schedule a call, you can say, Hey, I'd love to look at one of your car wash offerings. You're going to see all of the things that we look at and all of the operations. And then if you book a call with us, you can say, Hey, what, what are some of the things we need to look at? What are some of the questions we have to ask? There's a couple other operators that are out there. You can search and look for those yourself. Again, I think we're kind of in the early stages of a lot of investors coming into this space. But some of the things you would want to be aware of, it's easier to find a car wash location than a multifamily location because you don't need income that's quite as high. You need things like high traffic counts. So somewhere between 20,000 and 50,000 cars a day is a good is typically a good location. You want strong area median income, but you don't need say six figure area median income because if if we're looking for somebody to pay 20 or 30 dollars for a monthly membership Arnold, they don't need to make $100,000. They can make $40,000. You know, our location Fayetteville, North Carolina does very very well. We have a, a military base close by and you have a lot of young men with cars that make make a decent income, right? But they're not white collar workers in that space. We certainly have a lot of people that make that kind of money. But a lot of our customers across the portfolio make less than that would rent, say, one of our one of our class A apartments. So you don't have to be as concerned about that. And then the other thing you want to you want to look at is are there other washes close by? How old is the equipment? Again, the operator is going to be the most important part. And they should be able to answer all those questions for you. Chris, is there a personal story that you can share? Something that happened in your investing journey that was somewhat of an eye-open experience that made you a better investor and could potentially help others? Yeah. So I talk about my book, Arnold. I've been unfortunate in a lot of ways with some loss that I've faced. I lost both my parents. Actually, I recently lost one of my best friends here that helped me build my business. Probably the most impactful was I lost my best friend, my roommate, my training partner when I was racing bicycles in college. And it was right between my freshman and sophomore year. And it's really what set me out on my journey. And I think the important part of this is, is really the lesson that I learned that got me interested in investing. Investing is really a vehicle. And after my, my best friend died, I was racing bicycles. I was studying to be an engineer, but I knew I really didn't want to be an engineer. Like I said, I jokingly said I wasn't smart enough to do it, but that really wasn't what I thought I was meant to do. And I, was, I wanted to be a professional cyclist. But what I realized was riding my bike around in circles, and you know, spending 10, 20, sometimes 30 hours a week on my bike wasn't what I could get out of life. To me, investing in financial independence is about making the biggest impact you can on the world. Because if you're financially independent, you can go and you can use your talents, you can use your skills and really go and make an impact in the world. And for me, at that young age, you know, I was 19 years old, I said, I just want to not 
be, I don't want to have regrets. I want to go out and, you know, be able to live life to the fullest. What I realized was you have to have money to do that. So if you're an investor, you know, you have to realize that money is important in a lot of ways. It's not the only thing. It's not the most important thing, but it is a means to an end. So I think for me, you know, if, if you, you know, look on our website or, you know, I'm ever doing a presentation, I'm always going to talk about my boys. There's a reason I have this picture of the Grand Canyon behind me. I took a three-week trip down the Grand Canyon. It was an amazing experience. There were no phones. You know, you can't, you can hardly use a satellite phone in the Grand Canyon because the satellite has to be right over top of the canyon. So you can barely even get a text out, let alone a phone call at those times. And again, for me, being an investor is about the long-term view what it allows you to achieve and never forgetting that, you know, if you're listening to the show, if you're fortunate enough to have become financially independent or even just fortunate enough to be able to make an investment on your own, think about how you can give back and do that. Cause I think when you do that, as you're doing all with this show, as we try to do, you know, with next level income, with our podcast, with our book, with our, with our blog, with our course, everything that we do is help spread the message and help others make an impact on the world as well. I love that, Chris. You know, the way I see it is there's just at a certain point, you reach a certain level of income and financial independence where more money is not going to move the needle in terms of happiness. But if you can help somebody on their journey and watch their life improve, it just brings a different type of emotional gratification that is very hard to put into words. Listening to you talk just resonates so much as, you know, I spend the first 10 years of, of my career just trading. Here's my time, here's money, working 14, 16 hour days trying to build a business and saying, you know, I'll be happy when I get there. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah. took a, it took a little while to realize, no, that the happiness needs to happen now. And eventually you need to start getting your money to work for you so so you could spend time with your family. And Chris, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I'd like to go into some of our closing questions. And the first one is, what is your number one rule for success in life and in business? I would say, you know, we kind of touched on it here recently, but it's really to stay humble. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, always be willing to question your assumptions. I think that's kind of what being humble is. You know, you may be right, you may be wrong, but if you're right, you might not always be right. It might change. Things might have changed. And if you're wrong, you might not be wrong forever. Things might change as well. So I think being willing to listen to others with opposing opinions, whether it is about a different investment or you know, it's about a different diet or something health related or politics even, you know, I think it's really important to stay humble, stay open, realize that everybody has something to give and you can always learn from other people. If there was one piece of advice that you can give to somebody to help them on their investing journey, what would that be? Yeah. So first off, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. He says, take massive action. So I would say a lot of people, look, if you're listening to this podcast, you are clearly dedicated towards education and self-improvement. So number one, put a vision together. Number two, put a plan together. And then number three, start taking that massive action. And if you can, find somebody to hold you accountable. Find a coach. Find somebody that's done it, done what you've done. Find an accountability partner. You know, Find somebody that you can join in your journey that keeps you honest, keeps you humble, and keeps you moving forward. And Chris, how can our listeners reach you? 
Yeah. So uh, check us out at nextlevelincome.com. Again, you get a free copy of our book. You can learn more about our investment opportunities that we have out there, including our car washes. And you can also get a copy of our course. I put my coaching framework within that course. And you can learn how to create your own three-year vision, how to put a plan together for yourself, how to save more money in taxes. And also we have a great spreadsheet in there to help you ask the right questions when it comes to looking at an investment, not only from a qualitative perspective, like what questions to ask, but also how to quantitatively analyze that through specific numbers. And to all of our listeners, we're going to have Chris's contact information, company website, and and all other relevant details that we discussed on this podcast today within our show notes. Chris, once again, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. By the way, I'm a huge Tony guy myself. I used to be part of his platinum group. Once again, it was an absolute pleasure having you on board and really appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review, share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it, and also follow and subscribe. One last thing, if you'd like to use us as a resource for anything real estate related, whether it's a second opinion on an opportunity you're analyzing or looking to explore new opportunities, we're here to help. Whether you do business with us or not, our company philosophy is to deliver as much value as possible and help people make better financial decisions. Book a strategy call with us today by visiting investav.com forward slash contact. We will discuss your investing goals, our investment opportunities, and share valuable insights as to what we see in the market today. Quick disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action.